Later on, people will be like, why is his last name Solo? It's because he's a loner. <laughs> That's the canonical explanation in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Darth Maul. I wonder if this guy hurts people. <laughs> mm. By that logic, I think my name would have to be Darth Bitchius because I am bitching, baby. <laughs> Oh my god. I need to I need a name for a for a character who deals out some grievous bodily harm. I've yeah. got it. <laughs> Darth unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna do a teenage mutant ninja turtles joke and then I didn't I couldn't commit. I couldn't commit. <laughs> Cow a bummer. So, hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the Overly Sarcastic <laughs> Podcast. Blue Mist is Chance, so now I'm hijacking the opening. I don't Crime! really... <laughs> Crime! <laughs> so, uh, normally... Red, we you've, just done kinda... t- Red you've, you've done two, like, solo streams and have gone mad with power. <laughs> oh, my God. My power is ancient and cannot be contained. I was here before we had color names. <laughs> Do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. <laughs> anyway, so how's everybody doing? Apparently, I'm in a slightly funny mood today. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we're good. Uh, I, I just got back from a, a small little family trip with Cyan, which is very lovely. Hmm. Uh, and of course, I get back home and uh, wrangle Cleo for a hot minute and then go immediately back into like work mode. <laughs> Yay! It's like, ah. Um, but uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's a good uh, it's a good time. Always always fun to do the, the podcast. Yeah, um, channel management has nothing in common with herding cats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a fun, fun, fun couple weeks, I think. Yeah. Uh, Definitely odd. Every every time I do a solo stream, I'm baffled that anybody shows up because the first time there was no plan, and the second time there was a plan, and people liked the plan, but they almost voted for no plan. It was like the second place winner was just more freeform bullshit. That, so that's the thing with like anytime anyone puts up a poll, is the internet always chooses chaos. Um, yeah, yeah. If there's ever like an option for yes or the hard option, or the chaos option. Mm. Um, that is inevitably what will happen, but yeah. it makes for fun streams. I was, I was actually, um, I, was, I was packing for said uh, small family trip while you were doing that stream, and I was like like popping in and out, like, jump in for five minutes, okay, she's <laughs> talking about uh, she's talking about Arcane, jump in for five minutes, like half an hour later, okay, she's talking about X-Men. Yep. Uh, it was fun, but uh, yeah. aside from aside from the uh, the solo stream, of which there will surely be more in the future, uh, mm, yes. uh, we've got some uh, some fun uh, talk uh more more analytical videos on the channel lately red you had a very fun trope talk uh, that rocketed to the top of our uh, of our top 10 youtube analytics yeah. uh from from our recent videos which was uh, are we the baddies yeah that was, I, uh, I i was so excited for that one since you first uh, pitched the, the concepts to me <laughs> i had a feeling that one was probably going to go over well and i had a great time writing it i think people could probably tell like some of the tropes when i script them it's a little bit like here's what needs to be covered here's the context you need to have and when i was scripting this one i was like suppose for example you have a theoretical establishment called kitten squishers incorporated and then <laughs> My brain was like, we're keeping it. That's going to be our one thing now. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. the through line that unites the... Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Well, it was a very helpful, you know, way to kind of tie everything back to a central point. I tend not to like making up examples for trope talks. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take artistic liberties when I'm illustrating, but usually when I'm narrating, I'll try and either keep things kind of generalized mm-hmm. or I'll lock in specific examples and be like, hey, they do this a lot in, like, Full Metal Alchemist or, you know, She-Ra uh, or Promare, the one movie that I kept <laughs> referencing in that show. Uh 
a good movie. Everybody should watch it. It's like they took a 24-episode anime miniseries and compressed it into two hours. Uh-oh. Indigo, I see you're making some faces there. <laughs> well, no, Red, let me ask you a question. Is it fair to say that the uh, the Ballad of Qu- uh, Kitten Squishers Incorporated is uh, similar uh, in concept and structure to the monomyth? <laughs> yes, I think we can say that very accurately. You see, our fir- first our hero finds themselves in the familiar world. The threshold guardian is probably the beautiful rebel and ends up being like, hey, did you think that maybe squishing kittens is, like, bad? And they're like, what do you mean? We're squishing them in warm hugs, right? <gasps> so, anyway. Yeah, no, good stuff. Anyway, Indigo, you, you judging my, my my fave anime movie, Promare? <laughs> is that what's I, happening? I am not going to interrupt too long to talk about a movie. <laughs> mm. uh, I'll just let you continue with your example discussion related to Kitten Squishers Incorporated and or the, the frequency of Promare. <laughs> Indigo bans us from our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I trusted your taste in media. I watched Ninja Turtles because of you. (laughs) And you're all the better for it. (laughs) Red, how did it feel when you realized that you were part of an evil organization when Indigo had betrayed you like this? It was really unprecedented. I have no experience in this field. Anyway, it was a great time. I had a lot of fun. I, I got to use uh, some good old-fashioned Star Wars The Force Awakens footage in there, which once again retroactively made me sad. <laughs> um, Finn's uh, like, doing genocide bad, question mark? Well, in his defense, he had no exposure to the battlefield before then. It was all that good imperial yeah. propaganda, and then he was like, oopsies, my friend just died in my arms, and then they started executing civilians. I think this might be bad, actually. So... Um, <sighs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a very fun trope, and um, I think, you know, it, it's one of those ones that's, like, fun on the surface, and then it's got these, like, layers underneath, and of course, the fundamental core question is, when you realize you've been doing something bad or, like, full-on evil, what do you do? You know, how do you mm-hmm. react? And that's a very complicated question, especially, like... There's a lot of, you know, discussion about that nowadays about like, hey, this person, it turns out, uh, you know, we all like them, but they did something real shitty or like we found out they did something real shitty like five, ten years ago. What do we do? Can we still like them? What, you know, how do we handle that? And I think, you know, I, I didn't want to like bring that specific point up because I was talking in the context of fiction and usually I'll just cheekily imply the obvious real world implications of the tropes I'm discussing rather than like centering super hard on them. But in that case, it's like this is something that the Internet especially struggles with. And I think... Not to diverge too far from the core thesis, but I think part of that is because the way we experience people through the internet is kind of timeless. It's like, you know, you watch through someone's YouTube backlog and it's like you see something they made five, ten years ago, you see something they made yesterday, and in your head that's the same person because it is the same person. But from a certain perspective, they're kind of not the same person that they were five, ten years ago. But if you're constructing this image of them in your head, it's easy to kind of be like, oh, this is the person who, like, makes these jokes and says these things. And if some of those are shit, it can be like, hey, this person's, like, a jerk because they made this thing. And then, you know, you look at the timestamp, which in YouTube videos is not prominently displayed. Like, it's there, but you kind of have to go looking for it. And without that context of time and what they've done since, it's easy to be like, oh, that's bad. I don't feel good about this anymore. And that makes things complicated. And I think that this trope um, and this concept in general of somebody realizing they've done harm and, like, how do they respond to that? Do they work to be better? Do they double down? You know, how do you handle that? I think it actually ties into a very interesting space of the way that we perceive people and their moral characters and how we feel about them when we discover that they've done harm in the past. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. do we think they've suitably atoned? Do we think that they are, you know, not that person anymore? how do we judge that and how should we judge that? And I think that's a 
that's almost a different space of tropes that's kind of tied in with like the redeemed villain stuff that I did videos <laughs> on a way back when where it's yeah. like hey you know you have this person who did bad stuff but now they're a good guy they're only going to be a good guy going forward is it okay if you're still pissed at them for when they did the bad stuff yeah. <laughs> it's like and, yeah. and also there's a difference between like someone who did one bad thing however bad once and when it's a trend but what I wanted to, mm. to, to mention is um, uh, what you said towards the end of the video which is how interesting it is and also it, you, you mentioned like a minute ago in, 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 in this <laughs> podcast uh, how interesting it is to explore how a character reacts to their own moral failings because in a lot of uh, in a lot of spaces of stories see monomyth uh, <laughs> uh, you know you have instances where a character struggles or is unsuccessful in something and how they handle that is you know the source of pathos and drama but having a character actually like morally grapple with their own actions and their own responsibilities and um, failings is is very interesting to get which is why again Yadzuko is such an interesting character because <laughs> you you see him struggle with the shit he's done and continues to do over and over and over again. And it's great drama. And obviously there are other characters besides Zuko. He's just the best example. So yeah. So yeah. yeah. With Zuko, it helps that we actually see him doing bad stuff. Like mm -hmm. you get characters like Adora, you know, in She-Ra who's like, okay, yeah, she was part of something bad, but she literally never did anything wrong. She was training the whole time. As soon as yeah. she got out into the real world, she was like, this isn't anything like the simulations. And then she was a good guy. Like she never did anything wrong. She was just misled. And you get characters like Finn from Star Wars who are in exactly the same boat, where it's like, you know, they did all this training, and the minute they saw the real world, they realized it was actually terrible. But then you get characters like, I also was using Anakin as an example of mm. like someone who, you know, figures out that they're on the wrong side and then kind of doubles down because maybe they feel like they have no choice. I don't know how strictly well that applies in his case because the writing's a little shaky, but that's okay. You know, Daniel let's say Green he... had an excellent video about Anakin's fall from a couple weeks back that uh, I'll, Indigo, I'll send you the link for it, but that's... Uh follows on but red star continue yeah yeah well you know he's he's an example of someone who like does something bad and then just keeps going like keeps doing worse and worse stuff it's like okay yeah cutting off mace windu's hand wasn't great but really the emperor was the one who like chucked him out the window so like <laughs> anakin you know he could have pulled back from that but he didn't it just kept getting worse and worse and uh when you have characters who figure out that they've been doing that bad things and then they start doing bad things with the implicit awareness that they are bad which is what zuko does it can be harder to convince an audience like, hey, it's okay, they're good now. Um, because oftentimes we trust characters more when the minute they show self-awareness, they're like, I'm gonna choose the side of good because that's the right thing to do. Whereas if you have a character who has this growing moral compass, but then is sort of like, well, look, it's not that simple. And then they start doing bad stuff with the awareness that it's bad. We look to that, we, we see them as a character who is capable of willingly doing bad things, knowing that they are bad. Whereas characters like Adora and Finn, we don't see that way. Because the minute they figure out what they're doing is wrong, they stop. They can't help themselves. They've got that heroic instinct. Mm -hmm. So when you have a character like Zuko, who is essentially at war with his own moral compass for like 90% of the show, that can be very interesting to explore. And the fact that Zuko is so well-liked by audiences is, I think, what's interesting about him. Because he's really well-written, but he's not just well-written. We are rooting for him to be a better person from like episode three onward. And when he does finally turn to the side of good, we're like, about time, get over here, get in the finally. group hug. Yeah. Whereas you have characters like Catra, uh, Blue, I don't remember if you've uh, seen. No, I mean, we, we, we did the episode uh, right. for the detailed diatribe, so I know, but. Um, yeah, yeah, but the, the general gist, of course, is that, you know, she sort of knows from the beginning that they're doing bad stuff, but she doesn't really care. She's got a very, like, you know, focused sense of priority. She's like, if it's about me and Adora, we're good. Um, 
And then as she starts doubling down and getting worse and worse, well, spoiler alert, she gets better later, but I saw a lot more fan backlash about that, about like, oh, you know, can we really forgive her after everything she did? And it's like, you guys didn't mind when Zuko did like the same stuff. But I think it's because Zuko was framed from the very beginning as a sympathetic, fundamentally good-hearted person struggling with really bad circumstances. And that framing wasn't really shared so much with the way they were framing Catra for the first, like, four, four and a half seasons, where it was more like, yeah, she's got some issues, but boy, howdy, she's really making it hard to focus on that <laughs> when all the other stuff is happening. Yeah. Anyway. Th there's, yeah. A very, there's a very different framing when you're dealing with a story that is, like, a tragedy mm. as opposed to a, uh, you know, weird step one on the road to being the protagonist. Um, mm. But, yeah, I... Go ahead. <laughs> well... I mean, that was basically it. I mean, you know, it was a fun video. I had a great time talking about it. But it's it's one of those tropes where, like, the surface level is cool, but there's a lot going on underneath it. Some tropes are about as simple as they appear to be on the surface. This is not one of them. No, um, no. This is a, yeah. it's a whole space of character writing, um, which which ends up being really interesting the more you dig into it. And I guess it, so, somewhat of an inversion uh, from that trope was the subject of our... Uh, our, our other video on the channel, Detail Diatribe, on yeah. the first Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are like, does this have spoilers for Doctor Strange 2? No, neither of us have seen it. No. Um, but it, uh, <laughs> the, the whole thrust of that video was Doctor Strange is a bad person. He sucks for 75% of the runtime <laughs> of the film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, it was a very interesting yeah. uh, discussion. I was, like, one of the people who hadn't really thought about that movie super hard. Um, you know, I watched it. I liked it. Haven't really thought about it much since. I thought yeah. the visuals were impressive. Thought the plot was pretty standard. Didn't really like Doctor Strange that much. Didn't really examine why. But, yeah. you know, the way that you were framing it, the, the, the examination that you'd done really helped kind of be like, hey, you know, this character, he is kind of a selfish piece of shit. He does kind of have this view of, like, the world revolving around him. When he's at his lowest point, he doesn't get more noble. He gets less noble. Yeah. How does this play out? And I was like... That is interesting, and they really do bring it home in the end. And like yeah. by the end of that, I was like, well, obviously Doctor Strange is one of the best written Marvel movies, but how could anyone think otherwise? <laughs> Which is always a good sign. That's how you know the argument is good. Yeah, no, um, I, there, there was some there was some disagreement uh, in the comments and uh, and elsewhere, but I think one of the most interesting um, sentiments that I saw was was read basically years exactly of like, oh yeah, I don't really remember Doctor Strange that well. What happened? Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's um, uh, something, yeah. something MCU cultural zeitgeist oversaturating uh, pop culture, yeah. something, something. Because anyway. he wasn't in any of the Avengers movies except the third one. Because uh, mm. he, he was he was a late cover. He showed up late. Yeah, um, but I, anyway, I feel like uh, Strange and good. Thor have a similar problem where every writer writes them differently because none of them quite get them. And like Doctor Strange is great in the first movie because he has a, a cohesive character arc from point A to point B. And then after that, they're like. We already did all his character development, so uh, maybe we should have him keep learning the same lesson over and over again. That could be fun. In, it's like, eh. And again, I can't speak to the newest Doctor Strange movie, but in, in Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War, um, Endgame, and then Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange is designated supporting character who you recognize from that other movie. Yep. Um, he is the most... <laughs> the most like frequently in other people's movies characters uh of, of possibly all of the uh of the the sort of top line uh avengers so to speak oh and um, long, which yeah. which is interesting um but of course it's also like it, he ends up getting shafted uh mm -hmm. which uh has its own kind of consequences on how people see him as like oh he's he's just a supporting character um he's the guy who does the magic stuff 
So when yeah. you have a problem and you you need magic to solve it, you go get Doctor Strange. Fixes and, other people's problems. And he's written yeah. by you know he's written completely differently in different. Which one was it? Thor Ragnarok, where he's almost like he's not a joke, but he's kind of a joke. Like they they play his powers for a lot more like casual comedy. And then there's the one where he like floats down in like snow boots and slips a little bit when he lands and it's like these are all different characters <laughs> these are not the same guy this is my complaint about thor as well because none of them understand my boy but that's okay and not what we're talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one person had said that dr strange um is uh neat because his stories always feel bigger than he is and whether that's good or bad i guess depends on the quality <laughs> of the writing in each example but yeah, yeah. no i mean in, in this one the um the, the thing i liked about uh this um this this movie is the way in which he doesn't just magically get better, but other people make him better. Mm-hmm. Um, Wong makes him better. Mordo makes him better until Mordo gets evil, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ancient One makes him better. Um, even um, uh, even Christine uh, indirectly, and then later when she comes back into the plot in the in the third act, uh, makes him a better person uh, because all all this time he's been he's been his own guy. He's been the person who everyone else listens to and everyone else looks up to. Maybe not looks up to, but everyone else like. Hmm, I wish I was half as rich as him, and maybe mm. a third as glorious as him. But uh, it's really in the in the second half of the movie that everybody else's influence starts to kind of add up, and especially with the ancient one in the scene where she dies and does the whole like "it's not about you" speech um, with with a lightning storm in the background, which I wanted to keep the footage in, but Disney claimed it, and I was like, okay, look, I can either go back and forth on this for like a week, like I did with the uh, with the Samurai Jack and. Um, what other video did uh, I had that with Shira, but I eventually just gave up and cut all the footage, which yeah, was the wrong so decision. I, but I was really so mad. I eventually just was like, you know what, fuck it, screenshot. Yeah. Sorry, gang. Um, but yeah, so I, I like that one a lot, and it's a video topic that I've wanted to do for a while because when Nando V Movies first did his um, one marvelous scene, mm-hmm. uh, and however many years ago that was, like three or four, um, the one that I had wanted to do for that was this exact scene. But we had other stuff going on. Um, we only found out about it when you know the videos came out. Um, so I was like, oh, cool. But uh, yeah, and then by the time I was like, oh, I, I can work on that video, it had been like two months. And I'm like, yeah. okay, no, forget <laughs> it. No, uh, <laughs> not going to be like, hey, Nando, can you add me to the playlist, you know, <laughs> a year later? No. Um, but uh, I'm glad I was able to do that because I, I'd had this topic in my head for so, so long. Uh, and I was like, yes, I did yeah. it. Much like the Assassin's Creed one. It's like, I, I'm i free. <laughs> I, I've liberated my brain from this point that's been sitting in the back of my head uh, waiting for an outlet for, at this point, you know, Years, Years but, yeah. yeah, that was a, it was a good one. Yeah. It's a fun scene in a in a fun movie, and when you're looking at it as like an actual movie with an emotional through line, that scene really is like you know the crux of it. Um, and I feel like part of the reason so many people, myself included, were surprised is because we were watching it like a superhero movie. You know, it was the Marvel formula; we knew what to expect, so we almost didn't see the stuff that was deviating from yeah. it. I don't know, I, I could use this to springboard off into my standard <laughs> Marvel movie zeitgeist uh, rant, but I don't think we need to. I think, you know, the, the point is pretty obviously there. It's like this was a movie that was doing a lot of different things, but it was also doing the same thing. It was doing the Marvel movie formula. I mean, you know, they swapped it. Well, no, there even was a sky beam, but, you know, they... They did something interesting with the finale. There was a little, there was like a sky rift. Sky black hole. <laughs> yeah, you know, something funky happening in the sky. And they swapped it out with, you know, Dormammu have come to bargain, which is what everybody remembers from that movie because it was an yeah. actually creative solution so to the sky yeah. beam evil robot Jeff Bridges problem. So, you know, you end up with all these factors that are essentially like, this is a, this is an exceptional 
very to formula Marvel movie. And then you're like, but what about what about as a character drama? If we actually yeah. look at the actual main characters, like, oh, well, I guess we could do that. But like, why would we? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. This is one of the few Marvel movies that actually treats itself as a character drama in addition to being a superhero movie. And much like as we've talked about with, with Star Wars and other stuff, it's like the best of the Marvel and Star Wars or whatever pieces of media are the ones that are Marvel and Star Wars and something else. You mm-hmm. know, Mandalorian, Star Wars and a Western, um, Doctor Strange, uh, you know, Marvel and uh, a deep character drama about a guy who just sucks so bad. Yeah. Um, so in, in in talking about um, the movies that I, I said, you know, oh, you know, this is one of the rare Marvel movies that says something. I listed um, uh, Black Panther, Captain America 2, Winter Soldier, uh, and a lot of commenters uh, rightly pointed out Guardians of the Galaxy 2 which is a really interesting Family. character drama yeah. um, uh, with a lot of very complex and robust themes. The only Marvel movie that's made me cry. Yeah. Um, and I didn't give a shit about Yondu in the first movie, <laughs> so like, damn. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I got suspicious when they started showing us like solo long shots of Yondu like contemplating things, shirtless and vulnerable, and I was like, uh-oh, yeah. what are they going to do with this? <laughs> so um. I, I don't want to get too into like the, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're too cool for Marvel, we're too cool for Star Wars. Like, there are a lot of pieces of, of the MCU that are really special even on their own in a vacuum and I yeah. think it's uh, even when we're like come on guys did you really have to do Black Widow that dirty it's important <laughs> that we also like still recognize like the parts that were good were really well, good. Well that's why I get so butthurt about this stuff. There are moments that are good that make me want the rest of it to be good. Yeah. You know, I, I don't criticize things because I like tearing them apart. I want them to be good. That's what you know that that's the difference I think. And the one thing that I, I saw the comments point out that we didn't talk about in the video was the scene after Doctor Strange is fighting that guy in the Sanctum and the guy dies, and Strange is like freaking, like everyone else is like, oh, Dormammu something, something, and he's just like, I just killed a man. Yeah. I My oath is to do no harm, and I just killed a guy, and you guys are freaking out about some magic space thing, and it's just like, that's a, yeah, no, that's actually interesting. Like, he's still a pretty bad person at this point. He is still making this disaster all about him, but in a very, for the first time in the movie, it's for a good reason. It's I just killed someone, and that's not good, and you guys are acting like this is fine. Like, Yeah, you, you see the first little hint of him actually caring about someone else. Yeah, and that, he that, had an actual cool, moral so. backbone in there. He actually did care about his oath to do no harm, even if, you know, he was picking and choosing and only helping people that would raise his own prestige. He still cared yeah. about first do no harm. So, yeah. very interesting movie, and his character is so interesting, and I wish... I wish the writers noticed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, uh, in the meantime, uh, a movie where the, where the writers uh, did definitely notice and care was... Uh uh, uh, 2022, very recent, uh, The Batman, uh, yeah. by, um, uh, Matt Reeves was the director? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with Robert Pattinson and the yeah. starring role. We had just done a movie struck episode, uh, mm-hmm. Red and I joining on with Indigo's podcast, uh, yeah. to talk about, uh, this movie that all three of us love so, so, so much. I don't know what the final cut is. Uh, it is available now to listen to on all your platforms. But uh, Indigo, uh, tell us, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us about uh, it. Red and Blue, you popped on the movie struck before, so uh, longtime fans will be familiar with um, the Jupiter Ascending Alien, Kung Fury, <laughs> and Gladiator episodes of the podcast. But we had both of you on this time uh, together as one uh, to talk about the Batman. It went up on... Monday when this ep- uh, concurrent to this episode so uh, Monday the 30th it's available on all fine podcasting platforms just search movie struck and it should be the most recent episode uh, and uh, it's a long one but <laughs> very long? good 
I, you I know, you'll know. just have is to it check longer than the on movie? Monday to find out. It's definitely longer than the movie. Yes, my record holds. <laughs> I mean, uh, we were recording for like five hours over two yeah, days. Yeah, cut across two days. Because <laughs> yeah, someone um, had like a commitment or something. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but please uh, don't let the, the runtime dissuade you because it is great content. Dissuade? Why would it dissuade anyone? That's no, just I mean, it more was, beautiful content. <laughs> it was it was a truly excellent discussion. Um, yeah, I, I had, I had notes. so much fun. Indigo was, had notes too. I it did. was great. I always yeah. have notes by default, but I had more notes than usual. Um, but it's a good time. It's available. It's out now. If you're interested in getting a little more, um, superhero movie opinions, hit that up. And also, um, this podcast uh, is launching, uh, shortly after, uh, Indigo, you have launched a Patreon for Moviestruck. Yeah. Is that correct? Moviestruck is now also on Patreon. We're (laughs) patreon.com slash Moviestruck. Uh, all (laughs) one word. Um, yeah. If you're interested in, uh, helping support the podcast, help me do what I do. Check that out. There are monthly patron-selected written movie reviews. There's one for the Batman, ironically. Uh, and there's <laughs> one upcoming for Atlantis, the Lost Empire for this month. Yes. So if you are interested in a little bit more film content and or just want to help me feed my cat, check that out as well. There's <laughs> links in all of the movie struck show notes. The truth Fantastic. All right. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, one more announcement is that uh, not not yet, but uh, in two days from the time that this, uh, this podcast is uploaded uh, on Friday, June 3rd, we will have a new round of pins out. Uh, it's been a little bit of a dry season uh, this year so far with pins. We, we started off with uh, um, Demeter and Hestia, but now we've got uh, two new ones coming out, which, uh, Red, should I spoil it or, or should, I, uh, should I let them? People let can them probably guess. We're rounding out the Olympian pantheon. We're finally doing Aphrodite and Hephaestus. Okay. And I, I don't want to brag, but I'm really proud of how these designs worked out. These are I did some clever yeah. things with how they fit together, and I think the Aphrodite pin especially, you can like, whatever. You know what, I'll spoil it when they actually come out, but I did some cute things that were very smart, so. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic design, and I think this is probably one of the most highly requested pins we've we've had mm. is, uh, is is Aphrodite, and, and yeah. by extension of Festus. But well. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> it is in keeping with the theme that Aphrodite is more requested. Yeah. Story of their um, lives, really. But uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's and I hope set. people like the video, too. I, I think it's fun. Yeah. And uh, if you missed any of the previous ones, we tend to put them back on sale near the end of the year around Black yep. Friday and stuff like that. So there, just stay tuned for that. If you've missed any of them, you know, don't panic. There will be ways to round out the collection, but... Yeah. Yes, after this, the Olympian Pantheon, the Big 12, plus a couple others, is officially all together. <laughs> so, oh, this is the last two? These are the last of the main wow. two. We got, I, I mean, we even had, like, Hades and Persephone before these guys, and those two aren't Iconics, even technically part yeah. of the Big 12. So, like, Dang. All right, yeah. Dallas, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so if that's all we've got there, um, pins, movie struck, movie struck Patreon, uh, we will jump on over to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. I should just record you myself should, saying you should go to the You should go to the Movie Struck <laughs> yeah. Patreon first, because we're, we're... Go to the Movie... For this yeah. one, fuck us. Go to the Movie Store yeah. Patreon. Yeah, feed the cat directly. <laughs> feed the cat directly. Uh, this first question comes from Zark Wartz. 
Red, when your progressive evil empire with the slightly sus flag takes over the world, what kind of throne room would you have? And blue, Ooh. same timeline, you also get a throne room. Indigo, okay. you exist beyond the corners of our reality. What does your throne room in the ninth dimension look like? So basically, <laughs> let's all design some throne, throne rooms. rooms for our evil yeah. empires. Oh, I, I, I would oh. like What's to really quickly say, uh, <laughs> on the subject of like the sussiness of the flag, a lot of people pointed out that red and black are also anarchy colors. Hey, so like you nice. can you, you, you can do that uh, if you want to have that be your evil anarchist empire. Wow, I can't believe that fascist flags and anarchist flags are like just slight morphs of each other. That feels... Same coin, baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, the old fascist versus nutters problem. Uh, okay, throne room. Well, first of all, it's got to be cavernous. Classic yes. for throne rooms. It needs to be huge, vaulted. And what it needs, what it needs specifically is that the throne needs like the little elevator built in. So like when, when my inevitable uh, collapse begins, uh, I need to hop on it and like ride it up to the roof where my like escape spaceship is waiting so that I can mm. have my dramatic rooftop battle with whatever heroic band of rebels is obviously undercutting my rule. Uh, and probably has like a laser on it, so like it can like float up. You know, you know, in like like bullet hell shooters, where it's like you're always fighting somebody in like a hovering chair with like oh, just yeah. mondo yeah, yeah, yeah. guns. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, but mostly like that's like sunk into the floor. The throne is normally just kind of like a regular comfy chair. Yes. Um, is there a giant tapestry on the back wall behind which is a dragon a la Aragon? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the dragon's in the basement. Uh, course, and instead of one of big tapestry, we got like the long banners with the logo because that way someone can be like, I also need like little like alcove and entryways up around the top so that the aforementioned band of heroic rebels can be like sneaking in and like eavesdropping me, like giving my grand imperial speech, but they can like see it from a nice cinematic vantage point, which is very important. And also that way one of them can like, like if they need to get down quickly, they can like grab the tapestry, like stick the knife in it and like kind of slide down that way, which is a classic Errol Flynn maneuver that <laughs> yeah. hasn't been getting enough love in, in recent fight choreography, no, I think. not at all. Just not enough tapestry ripping. Um, <laughs> Yeah, otherwise, I think pretty classic stuff. It also needs to be, like, in a nice high tower. I want, like, yeah. open arches, balconies. You know, I want to be able to survey the breadth of my domain, like, Saruman style from the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, lots of nice Good. airflow. <laughs> um, great open tapestry concept. billowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, open concept. Granite no counters. Walls. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a Marvel collaborative Doom space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, all right. I think we're good. You good? Set your evil empire inside of a WeWork. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm debating a chandelier, but I feel like it's hard to make that work with like the color aesthetic I'm going for. Well, you could um, do like a really like de- like um, spooky looking chandelier, kind of just instead yeah, of like, going like, for, like black crystal, metal, like, yeah, spikes, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 really yeah. yeah. Okay, it. yeah, we're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. cool. Blue, what about you? What's your your evil empire's <laughs> throne room? Doesn't look have like? to be evil. Yours can just yeah, be a regular empire. It could, it could be a good, if it's great like white room. marble and stuff. That's often less evil, even though yeah, it looks exactly so... the same as mine, but with marble backsplash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll admit I was too focused on the the dragon curtain reveal uh, to think about my own too much. But of course, uh, there will be some variety of a giant dome on top. I also like the idea of it being in a tower um, mm. because then you've got a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of sight lines you can uh, you can like shoot out arrows either on on fire to like send messages or something. I'll admit I really have not thought about this too hard. You need the so like the sunbeam like down on mm. your throne. So an Oculus on the uh, top of the dome. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. totally. The green um, I guess that'd mean it's like yeah. a circular room with the throne in the middle. Mm. But then it's like there are a lot of people behind me. That's they could stab me. Um, mm. So. Like an amphitheater, uh, you need like a like you are where the stage would be, and then everyone is still sitting in front of you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the, the, the back half is, like, obscured by 
something. I don't know. I, I, I'm, hmm. I'm stuck. I really do not have a lot of good throne room ideas because I'm like, what would I even do with all that space? Like, I, I could put a couple like bookshelves in, but like, <laughs> yeah. yikes! Uh, nice I'm, I'm thinking too big. Nook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably like you know, stained glass all around. Oh yeah, um, oh, of course. Some, yeah. yeah, some some cool like little pointed arches and all the faces. Uh, but it's like uh, you have to stop me from just describing the Pantheon in Rome, and like cause <laughs> well, I, I could, but are, that's not have you that's not original. Over the world, you could just make that your throne room. There's no rules. Yeah, copy it. Shitty Las Vegas brand Pantheon. You've taken. You are the evil emperor. You can you can claim this as your own. Um, yeah. Indigo, been, you go, and I'll, I'll think of anything yeah, else because yeah. otherwise my my crappy throne, my room that that needs uh, furniture. Just a nice oh. IKEA armchair and ottoman combo in the middle. <laughs> As yeah. the token, uh, with the tag still on. Of course, I guess the youth you need to return of this trio. I keep getting associated with all the uh, tech, new wave, to next gen, evil tech emperors. Uh, I do. I love the idea of a space throne room. I like mm-hmm. it being a bit more sci-fi than classic fantasy. So I think because because I, I want like Palpatine style big window that just is like yeah. space <laughs> behind me, um, and maybe like throne. Maybe it's made of more. It's more techy. It could be a lot of like old, uh, you know how the people make a lot of like <laughs> contemporary art and it's just a bunch of TV screens playing static stacked on top of each other? That's what my throne's made out of. There's no wires everywhere. <laughs> it sounds awful. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it One of them starts playing like, like a... an actual show and you need to like kick it and send it back to static. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that to get to my lair, this was me maybe incongruous with the whole sp- being in space thing, but in like team, team Rocket space that you had to click the button behind the poster in the game quarter to get into. I love that. I love the idea of a secret base based in like a decommissioned arcade or something. Maybe it's just the old watched too much Sailor Moon recently in me, but I'm like, there I want is. to be based <laughs> in an arcade. Um, so my room is a little bit less... Uh, it just kind of looks like the worst hacker den ever, but has a really big window in it and is somehow located both under an arcade and in space at the same time. Well, I think they said like extra dimensional. So maybe the yeah. entrance is in the arcade. Ooh, yeah. you like, like get sucked into a game and then yeah. next thing you know, you're in my room oh, now, baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's just full Tron. We've just done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just Tron. Of course. Uh, I just have yeah. a Tron based. <laughs> but like the Tron with the aesthetic of like space invaders or like asteroids, mm. you know, like an old Atari So instead game. of going Tron legacy, everyone is beautiful and covered in LEDs. You're going yeah, full going like full. everyone's low res and crunchy yeah, exactly. and like stuck in the 80s. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that like you got the beautiful like space landscape out the window, but like it's it's pixelated and has like space invaders like bipping across. There's like a sky. little triangle just like shooting meteors out <laughs> inside. Get to watch the fun. Yeah. The heroes come in and like your throne is on like a little swivel chair and its back is to you and you've just got like the little joystick like. Uh, well, like well, well. Luke, your friends have been lured into a trap and it's just like Galaga going yeah. off in the back. Yeah, my greatest enemy is Dig Dug. Uh, <laughs> coming up from lower decks. I'm um, afraid your saves will be quite reset by the time your friends arrive. <laughs> you must enter, enter 50 cents to continue. <laughs> if thou canst yes. best AAA, I shall destroy the Death Star. Strike him down and take your place on the leaderboard. Oh um, when I was growing yeah. up, there was a little like ca- coffee shop that had a, a Space Invaders 
game, but it was like a table, so you could sit and you could drink. Your, what I used to get was like dollar cans of like black cherry soda, and me and my friends would go oh, and we'd sit. And we tried so hard to get the high score on Space Invaders, and we could oh, never. Okay. There was an old guy who came in there who like smoked us every goddamn. Of course, time. yeah. He had yeah. his top spot on that leaderboard for years, and to this day, to this day, that is like a formative, haunting memory for me <laughs> of never succeeding in getting the high score in Space Invaders through all of like. Ain't that just things. a metaphor for the experience of growing up in a post baby boomers world? <laughs> <laughs> There's always some old guy hogging the top spot. Oh, <laughs> what anyway, the one thing I'll add to my throne room is a garden, but other than that, uh, Ooh, like, I don't know. That's Very good. Nice. Garden throne room. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you've got, you know, big open, you know, space, sky beam coming down into the middle, mm-hmm. stained glass on all the on all the, the walls around, and then it's just like fucking ivy everywhere. Nice. Kind of like the uh in Bright Moon, that weird garden that like mm-hmm. Shadow Weaver hangs mm-hmm. out in, kinda yep. kinda like that thing. Um, yeah, that, that's the only thing I can contribute as a garden throne room. If your empire is evil, it's got a killer aesthetic to make it work. <laughs> like, there's nothing I love more than, like, evil with the theme of, like, pristine white marble yeah. and, like, beautiful natural elf paradise environments, but also yeah. they're evil. <laughs> yes. Uh, Very good all around. I want the fan out on my desk by Monday, but we've got other questions <laughs> to get to. So yes. Let's move on. Uh, this next question comes from Loon, they, them, she, her, too red. Because June is Pride Month, from a fellow ace, have you considered where you fall on the romantic spectrum? Since that's what dating and all these things mostly rely on. I'm a romantic myself, and I relate to your feelings of, I'm glad I don't have to do this dating thing. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Th- this is something I've kind of puzzled over. It, it, to be honest, this is a part of my identity that I care about less, like that that's personally mm-hmm. matters to me less. Once I figured out the ace thing, I was like, that's all I need, <laughs> uh, which is why I've been kind of like vague about the romantic side of things, because it's like, depending on what romantic orientation and romantic attraction is, I might have it, but I also might not. I've never run into anybody who's been able to define it in a way that fully makes it clear to me. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, like I've talked to like my parents about this because I know they experience romantic love. So I was like, what does it feel like? And they're like, well, you know, it's like, you know, you, you meet somebody and like being with them changes the way you see the world. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so you see the difficulty, like mm-hmm. everyone has a different opinion on what love is and what it means. And like, I experience a lot of love, you know, but it's mostly for like friends. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that person's really pretty. I would love to hang out with them. I don't know what that's supposed to feel like if it's romantic versus platonic or whatever. Like, you know, I've seen people talk about, like, I would love to just, like, have a roommate for the rest of my life or somebody who I care about deeply. And, like, there are people who are like, this is a person I'd raise a kid with, but I don't know if I'd ever want to kiss him or something like that. Mm -hmm. So clearly this is a much more complicated space than people (laughs) think it is. Um, And it's like, I have been, like, kind of contemplating the ideas of dating again because for years and years I was just so relieved about not having to do it (laughs) that I was just like, ah, no thank you. But now it's like, I don't know, it might be worth, like, a shot just to make sure I don't want it. Um, Because, you know, everyone, I think, goes into relationships with different needs and expectations. And, you know, for for me, it's easy for me to kind of be like, well, none for me, thanks, but I can't make assumptions about what potential partners would want from me. So it's like, it's totally possible to find a life partner who wants the same kind of dynamic that you do. I just Mm -hmm. don't fully know what that is. So (laughs) basically, I have no idea. Depending on what romantic orientation is, I might be it, I might be Aero, I might be pan romantic. You know, there are are people I've seen who I'm like, wow, that person's so pretty, I would love to hang out with them and maybe hug them. 
I don't know, or do nice things for them. But I do nice things for all my friends. So I don't know. Maybe everyone else is being weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, a I, I think, fun space. You know, you don't have to have it all figured yeah. out. Like, if it if it really matters to you to have it locked in, I think it's okay to, you know, find a label that fits. But for me, like, none of the labels I've tried on have felt right. I feel like, like the way that people who identify as aromantic have described it makes it sound familiar to me. But I've also, you know, I don't know. And I've never felt that click with that label like mm. I did with Being Ace. You know, it's like that part feels like cutting myself off from something I might not fully want to give up on the idea of, you know, so... I think it's okay to not know and it's okay to be vague. And for me, you know, identifying as ace, romantic, who the hell knows, I think is fine. But, you know, it's, it's a matter of personal preference. I think I might not be happy if I locked in a specific label and was like, sometimes, you know, you find a label and it feels bad to put it on because it feels like it's preventing you from doing things. Um, and that's kind of how locking in a romantic orientation feels for me. It's like, no matter what I choose, even if I lock in, like, I'm pan-romantic, that means I like everybody. Like, that might still not feel quite right. Yeah. So, maybe I don't know, give me a solid definition of what the hell romantic alignment <laughs> and, and, you know, romantic attraction feels like, and I'll tell you if I feel it or not. <laughs> but nobody can classic, tell me! Classic. That is a classic Socratic dialogue <laughs> technique of like, oh, well, if you think I'm this, what the fuck does that mean, smart guy? Well, literally, <laughs> what does it mean? People are like, oh, you know, you get butterflies, and I'm like, I get butterflies, it's called anxiety! What are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's yeah, like I mean, impossible to describe, really. Not that I can answer this this question for you, or even that I was the, the person who the question was asked for but uh you know insofar as for for cyan and i we both started dating before either of us knew that we were ace whoops uh and both <laughs> found out that we were ace cool uh but we uh and I, I can only speak for myself not necessarily for her but it's like we are each other's like everything team mm. is kind of how we've described it um yeah. or at least how how i've described it um so that's like the person you'd rather do things with than without yeah, or like if if I ever need like someone by my side for something, it's like bingo. Oh, um, which is not to say like fuck everybody else. Uh, it's clearly not the case, but like yeah. um, no, you I mean know, it would be nice uh, to have a person like that. But I have a lot of people like that uh, mm. because I cultivate a lot of deep friendships and people <laughs> I like being able to rely on. Um, so I don't know. It's when people describe romance as like more than friendship. I don't think that's accurate, but I I I could see it being like. You know, sometimes it's like, what's the thought experiment? Like, what what's your perfect partner look like? And it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know, five-man band. <laughs> We're questing across Mordor together. I'd Henry die Cowell for any one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My hair looks great. I don't know. It's It, it gets kind of weird, you see? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel yeah. like the concept of dating and romantic love is so baked into the way our culture sees people that it's almost invisible because, like, it's it's just seen as a constant, a necessity, something that everybody wants and everybody feels, which I think means that it doesn't actually get unpacked. You know, people don't, you know, sexual attraction, same boat. Most people assume that everybody feels it on some level. Like, it's easier for people to understand, oh, you feel attraction towards this group instead of the group I expected, than to understand, oh, you just don't, you just don't want this thing that everybody wants, which is why there's been some you know, mm. complications about that. But with romantic attraction, like, it's even more fuzzy because it doesn't have, like, a physical side of things so much. It doesn't have a tangible, do you feel these physiological signs when you look at these people? It's like, well, you know, do they feel like they complete your soul? Would you want to spend the whole rest of your life with them? And I'm like, I don't know, I got to go to the bathroom sometimes. Like, <laughs> sometimes I want my space to myself. Does that mean I can't feel this thing? I don't know. Like, mm. 
judging by some of the tropes of romance, I'm not sure anybody knows what the hell they're talking <laughs> about with this. So. Yeah, one of those things where there's not really any one right answer, which is an incredibly frustrating thing if you're looking for <laughs> any sort mm-hmm. of concrete definition. Yeah. Um, but fun stuff. We'll probably have a few more Pride-related questions coming at you guys uh, this June, so... Perfect. Let's go. We love, Already we love my non-answers. <laughs> <laughs> Put it up. From a certain point of view, <laughs> does any of us feel love? <laughs> oh, boy. I feel like that's an entirely different podcast. Uh, so this next question comes from Young and a Menace to Red and Blue. I am planning a dream trip to Crete, and I am wondering if either of you have any cool places or sites from our favorite unknowable civilization, the Minoans. I loved Blue's videos on the Minoans from a while back, and I was wondering if you'd come across any cool places in your research that weren't mentioned in the video. Um, Boy, you guys are really overestimating how much I have experienced Greece in person. <laughs> yeah, um, I I have actually physically been to very little of Greece in my time, despite the fact mm-hmm. that I've gone like almost every year of my life. Uh, it's usually to that, uh, as I mentioned in the Acropolis video, that same small town in Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never been to uh, uh, any of the, the, the popular islands. Um, I, of course, would say, you know, when you go to the main town of Heraklion, go see... Go see the Minoan Palace. Uh, it's very lovely. There's a lot oh, of, of sites um, around. That. There are a couple cool, like, Byzantine-era monasteries um, uh, on on the island. But uh, I, I <laughs> unfortunately, uh, a lot of the stuff from the time period that we talk about is completely gone. Mm. Uh, so you've got a lot of medieval stuff. You've got a lot of Byzantine-Ottoman stuff. And you've got a lot of more modern stuff. Um Pretty much like anything Roman before is is just like completely toast and buried. And the only reason we have Nosos is because Sir Arthur Evans was very um, overzealous in reconstructing it uh, <laughs> from less than complete data sets. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of cool stuff to see. There's a lot of like neato renaissance kind of era stuff. Um, there's a website called Greeka, G-R-E-E-K-A, which is just like, a, I don't know if it's run by the Greek government. I don't think it is. Um, but it's got like tons and tons of stuff for like almost everywhere in Greece. And they got a lot of cool things of like sites to see, museums to visit. There is a lot of cool stuff on Crete for sure, and it's a big island. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's the biggest island in Greece, and I think the fifth biggest island in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. um, after Sicily, Corsica, Sardinia, and uh, Cyprus. <laughs> um, no, Cyprus. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. very cool. I've got no idea. I have never <laughs> left the North American continent yet, so like I'll <laughs> I'll let you know if I find anything cool, but um. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, this next question comes from Angry Apple. Uh, most incredible sandwich. Ooh. Most What's your best sandwich? best sandwich? The one that really just you know, blew your mind. <laughs> I've had some really good sandwiches in my day, but a lot of that was in college when I was forgetting to eat regularly. Um, <laughs> I, I had one experience where I was like, I was going to get dinner with a friend, and the friend was delayed. And for mm-hmm. some reason in my brain, this meant that I couldn't eat any food. <laughs> like until then, just like there was, like, no, I was busy. No. It was finals week. I definitely wasn't sleeping enough. So oh. I just had like, there was a rule in my head of like, well, we're going to eat a really nice dinner. Oh, I don't want to spoil my appetite. Yeah. But after about an hour, I was like, my vision's getting a little weird. <laughs> so I went uh, and geez. I got a little like, like just egg salad with like a little bit of greens in there. And I just got that from like the little cafeteria. 
and it was the most delicious sandwich I've ever eaten. And then I got another one a couple days later because I was like, man, that sandwich was transcendent, and it was just fine. And I was like, oh, you know what probably made that taste really good? The part where I didn't die. As as said in Don Quixote, hunger is the finest sauce. It is, Uh. and it was a dang good sandwich. Um, Normally, my taste in food is very, like, not not super minimalist, but I like knowing everything that's in the food, and that applies to Mm. sandwiches, too. I think a lot of modern sandwiches, a lot of people are always putting weird stuff in them. Any sandwich that involves any amount of avocado, I'm suspicious of. I don't think the avocado (laughs) needs to be there. Um, And I I recently, I got just a really nice sandwich that was like on a baguette and it was just like ham, Swiss, and a little bit of butter. And like a lot of times people put like mayo on that, but that adds a little acidity and just the butter really made it very smooth and nice. And the only reason I had trouble enjoying that sandwich is because I chipped a tooth earlier this week and I was very reluctant Mm. to bite into anything too crunchy after that. It was fine. The dentist made fun of me for how tiny the chip was. (laughs) Apparently people tend to under-report their dental injuries. So when I was like, it's really small, she was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she was like, oh, it's actually really small. I was like, (laughs) what did you think was going to happen? I would over-report a dental injury. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I don't remember what was specifically in it, but one time when I was... uh, um, visiting San Francisco with my dad um, the same summer that uh, Red and I and uh, many of our friends uh, had gone to Yosemite for a school trip, which oh, ruled. Absolutely um, <laughs> The only time I'd been to San Francisco was twice in that same summer. Yeah. Um, we went to the uh, the big, like, um, sourdough bakery place, like Budin's mm. uh, or, or mm. some such, uh, down by uh, the Fisherman's Wharf, uh, yep. which I know is, like, super touristy. Yeah, 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 I got off my ass. That was also um, the only place that we were in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we went to the restaurant restaurant part uh, which is like the upstairs of the of the the store in the bakery and i got this really good like steak sandwich on sourdough bread that must have been baked like 30 seconds before i ate it because it was so good i don't even know what it was it was like 10 years ago but it was so tasty san francisco sourdough hits different because when we were there for uh on the back end of the yosemite trip when we were all sort of like coming down from the mild oxygen deprivation and we were all super grimy yep. from having been in the woods for a week. Uh, I remember we we stopped at like a nice restaurant and they initially showed us the menu and we were like, oh, that's a bit much. And we were like good to leave. And they're like, oh, we have a lunch menu that's like half that price. And we were like, oh, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> and we ended up just kind of piling into the back of like this completely deserted, very nice restaurant. And I had this great sourdough bread bowl soup. And I was like, this place is really nice. Was, I mean, it was like three o'clock on a Wednesday. Like yeah. no one was eating at this time. No, but it was very, very funny because nice. like we, I mean, we didn't really look all that you know, worn out, but I think we all felt a little bit like, it's been a while. We're looking forward to flying back and, you know, maybe eating something that isn't camp food. And it was just very nice of that, like, nice, just, I don't know, what's the word for, like, a fancy person who runs a restaurant? Maitre d'. Yeah, the maitre d' being like, yeah, I'll let in this group of, like, scruffy teenagers (laughs) feed them sourdough soup. Yeah. I mean, um, we paid for it. We weren't, like, Oliver Twist and (laughs) Dickensian orphans. Um, Please, (laughs) sir. It was Let a nice experience, though. So I, I think when he saw us kind of being like, oh, the dinner menu is a bit much, he was like, oh, well. Because the problem was that on the outside, they posted the lunch menu, and then we got in, and he gave us the dinner menu. We're like, wait a minute. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Good no, uh, yeah. Good, good sandwiches in good San Francisco. Sandwiches. Um, I come from a city that I would say is pretty well known for sandwiches, or as we would call uh, them, hoagies. Hoagies. Uh, <laughs> and while many people are probably expecting me to say that the Philly cheesesteak is the best sandwich, I actually do not think that that is the best hot meat sandwich you can get in philly and it is not my favorite Um, so there's meat involved in a cheese steak i always wondered (laughs) i'm of the opinion that the best thing you can eat in philly or otherwise if you pick a sandwich is the pork and provolone 
uh, specifically from Denix, although it's pretty good anywhere. Um, I like it with broccoli rub, but it's just it's very simple. It's very good. It's always like tasty and well seasoned, and it's just like it just always hits the spot so well. Um, so that's my ride or die. Although I have been getting the spicy chicken sandwich from Popeyes a lot recently. Whenever I don't feel like cooking <laughs> dinner, and I gotta I gotta shout it out because it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm also remembering now there's this one really good panini place in Florence um, <laughs> okay, that yeah. apparently is very popular <laughs> okay. with study abroad kids. Um, mm. I don't I don't remember what I got. And even this was like only 2019, but it was like, damn, there's a good panini. <laughs> I got a really giant bagel from a deli in New York one time, like the size of the paper like plate it was on. Or yeah. Oh, <laughs> exquisite. We've had a lot mm. of good sandwich experiences in our time. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a life well lived. A li- <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, this next question comes from Phantom Cat. To all, you are being sent on a dangerous and fantastical adventure. And like all adventurers, need an animal sidekick. What animal will you pick as your charismatic sidekick? I, oh. I feel like we got to say Cleo and Ziggy are off limits. Yeah. Otherwise oh. it's crazy. <laughs> I can't just bring my cat with me. <laughs> well, you can get another animal companion. It's not the same. Ziggy probably figures out how to talk from being in this magical other world. I'm just inferring from here. Of course. <laughs> it becomes your sassy talking sidekick. And then anyway. It's like uh, the cat in Kiki's Delivery Service. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I want a wolf and that's not up for debate. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Preferably one of the like, like a, an unnaturally big one so I can ride it in a pinch. Yeah. Nice. Mm. I would go for an owl. Ooh, uh, very nice, useful. Nice. Um, just like, you know, for scatting around, but also it's just like can perch on your shoulder, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is cool. Uh, big Athena vibes there. So that's, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. no, got to go for an owl. Probably not Athena. sassy, probably just like pretty like wry and mm. sardonic. <laughs> so are we I assuming want... these animals can talk? Wait, was that of part course. of the question? Yeah. It's not part of the yeah, question, it, but it, I feel like, like we have applied. to assume... <laughs> Um, I want a really dumb lizard. It only be- <laughs> I want the world's dumbest lizard. I want him to have eyes that go in different directions. Um, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, the DM of Rolling with Difficulty is the DM in a different campaign I play. And my warlock ha- has a familiar who is the world's dumbest lizard. His name is Bart. Um, I love him so much, and I just want him to come with me everywhere for my magical adventures. So if I can't take my real actual cat, Ziggy, then I would like to take Bart, the world's dumbest lizard, with me, because I just think he'd be fun. Oh, well, consider good. if Ziggy's with you, Ziggy gets to constantly try to eat Bart. Oh, no! How big is Bart? How, I don't think it matters. Is Bart? Bart is a marine iguana in the game. Um, I'm okay with any dumb-looking lizard. So size different, <laughs> any size, any species. They just have to be stupid as heck. <laughs> the goggle eyes with the aesthetic of the chicken. Yeah, from you gotta Moana. look into whichever eye you can ke- make eye contact with and see nothing behind it. <laughs> this is a half foot long newt. Is he stupid? <laughs> fucking moronic. I'll take him. <laughs> Give him to me. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I think Perfect. our animal companions will be quite appropriate for our respective adventures. <laughs> I feel like such I'm a basic bitch now. amazed we somehow talked now. more about sandwiches than the uh, animal <laughs> companions. We just thought we're so sure of our answer for the animals and so unsure. <laughs> if you're going to a fantasy world where you can take one sandwich uh, until you can get to the evil throne room. <laughs> yes. Um, this next question comes from useless Tolkien nerd to Red. What is your favorite page you have drawn for Aurora? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, boy. Um favorite well okay uh i feel like it's it's like kind of a love-hate relationship because mm. the more complicated pages are the ones that take me so much longer uh but there was a page that i what's 
fairly recent in comic time mm-hmm. uh, that took me one panel of it took me about three days total wow. I'd say uh, because it involves a a magical a magically grown tree being split in half lengthwise. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 From a very low <laughs> angle that. perspective, I, I had a great time with it. Uh, but you know, obviously, I had to draw, I, you know, storyboard it, had to draw the line art for it, and then I had a whole extra day that was just drawing all the magic filigree on it. <laughs> it was well worth it. I had a good time. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that one has, like, the best ratio of, like, how much I enjoyed drawing it to how much people enjoyed looking at it. Because mm-hmm. there are things that I enjoy drawing, but it's just like, this is a fun pose. I'm having a good time, and nobody will even notice. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, but that one, I think, you know, sometimes you draw a splash panel, and people are like, wow, that's a splash panel. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think cool. that one counts. This has been a good chapter for, like, really yeah. big things. <laughs> <laughs> big dramatic effect. I've been learning a lot of shortcuts because a lot of these are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 glowy magic plant growing effects are always fun to draw. So very cool. Always. Uh, well, this next question uh, comes from Ken de Mariana. Ken de Mariana. Ken Damiarana, oh boy, too blue. We'll what out. is, in your opinion, the most overrated and underrated dome? Ooh. Overrated and underrated domes. I feel like we've had a question okay. like this because I, I'm positive we've already answered the Epcot ball for one of these. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a, a favorite domes question uh, or least favorite for the price dome. of one. But what is one that you Most think gets like overhyped and one that you think gets underappreciated in the dome world? Yeah, hold on, let me let me just uh, <laughs> googling just dome list. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, I talked about my favorite, and I said that I didn't like the Pantheon in France because it always shows up, and I'm trying to Google a Pantheon in Rome. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh gosh, yeah, there's a lot of famous ones in here. Um, underrated, I will say, underrated is the Hungarian Parliament Building uh, in mm. Budapest. Uh, mm-hmm. That building is gorgeous. It's super gothic. The dome is red and spiky. Um, it looks like it looks super evil, but it's cool as hell. Yes. Um, nice. Really like that one a lot. Uh, and almost nobody knows about it because the architecture of Hungary is not very widely known. Oh, it's um, gorgeous. Or at least nowhere near as well as it should be. It's um, so over... evil. This is absolutely oh, yeah, where Dracula hangs out. <laughs> absolutely villainous. <laughs> Um, gosh, overrated. I mean, if, if I call a dome overrated, I'm going to get some people coming after me. Um, <laughs> the dome mafia. <laughs> yeah. The people who care about domes as much as blue cares about domes. <laughs> I, uh, maybe this is just timely, but the domes on, uh, on St. Saint, uh, Saint, uh, Vasily the Blessed in, in Moscow, those fucking oniony mm-hmm. domes, they're just, they're, they're too Wonka-y. It looks like a joke. I'm sorry. They look like a joke. Yeah. I can't take the Onion Dome seriously on that building. Like, there are other buildings that have kind of oniony shaped domes mm-hmm. that are at least, like, one color or, like, it's kind of subtle. It's like, okay, you're, you're, you're being a little silly with the shape there, but, like, it's okay. Like, Taj Mahal, beautiful, gorgeous, mm-hmm. very oniony dome, still looks great. But, oh, God, the, the one in Moscow, it's just, it's... It, it's it's Dr. Susie. It, it looks yeah. fake. It looks made up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think in my head I always filed that next to like Willy Wonka and yeah. you know, Charlie and the Great yeah. Great Glass Elevator rather than like you know. Oh yeah, that's a major government building. <laughs> you know whatever. why? It looks like the Las Vegas parody of itself. Yeah. It already looks like the Vegas parody of itself. Ooh. I'm sorry to my Russian <laughs> Orthodox friends uh, in the audience, but like. 
beautiful Russian Orthodox churches. There's the other one in Moscow. Wait, hold on. Uh, Moscow Orthodox Church. There's the other big one with a golden dome. Um, where is it? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a tragedy a when something colorful gets the color bleached off because people think that, like, oh, it looks better when it's just, like, raw marble or whatever. But sometimes I'm like, no, it would look dumb okay. if it was painted. Uh, <laughs> Cathedral of Christ the Savior in Moscow. It's mostly white, gold domes, beautiful. Fantastic Ooh. piece of architecture. Just mwah, brilliant. St. <laughs> Basil Blessed, I'm sorry. No, no. Nice. <laughs> That's uh, my answer. <laughs> very good Incredible. stuff for all of our dome heads out there. Uh, we got time for one last question coming at you on this podcast before we check out. So, Red, you know what that means. Get ready. Uh, this question <laughs> nope. comes from Nico. Neko? I don't know. To all. Oh, if what, you how's were it spelled? N-E-K-O. That's Neko. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a Japan thing. <laughs> to all, if you were to become Sith lords from Star Wars, what would your new oh. Sith names be? Oh. oh no! Can we also append to this question what kind of lightsabers will we have? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just the full redesign. Oh um, boy. Well, I mean, you know, traditionally, of course, the rule for most Sith names is that you take a word that begins with "in" and then you take the "in" off of it. So you know, mm-hmm. Invader, Insidious. Uh, and obviously it doesn't oh hold all place. You know, Maul, Dooku, they're just Oh, kinda... yeah, Darth in Bane. That makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> really pulling no, it together. I'm kidding. Did they ever explain the Sith naming schema? Was it just no. like... Okay. No. It, they may yeah, have one not. of those like, extended universe novels, but I don't uh, think we ever got... I, I did not read those, and therefore I do not know if they contained any of this information. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The renaming to be like Darth Vader, that was like a post-second movie retcon where they could be like... Why didn't you tell me my father's name was Darth Vader? <laughs> no, Darth no, Vader. it was something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so I guess it's... I mean, okay. Of... Traditionally, the way that George Lucas named his characters is he found interesting words from completely unrelated contexts, mm. filed them away for later, and was like, that one. <laughs> Let's name this character after a part of the brain. Amidala, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, yeah, amygdala, amygdala, you know he was like, that sounds like the name of an alien princess. And then like three years later, he's like, I've got a great idea, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> naming his own protagonist Luke S. was another stroke of genius. Um, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a badass loner. Let's call him Han Solo. <laughs> um, Later on, people will be like, why is his last name Solo? It's because he's a loner. (laughs) That's the canonical explanation in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, Darth Maul. I wonder if this guy hurts people. (laughs) Mm. By that logic, I think my name would have to be Darth Bitchius because I am bitching, baby. (laughs) Oh my god! I need to. I need a name for a for a character who deals out some grievous bodily harm. I've yeah. got it. <laughs> Darth unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Darth case of the Mondays. I think I'm gonna stick Darth with Darth Mondays. I kind of like it. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a good vibe. <laughs> oh no! Are you just looking up lists of Sith names over there? No, I'm, I'm looking up. One hundred and one Sith uh, baby names popular <laughs> too. Adventurous, bold choice. (laughs) She's different. Yeah. (laughs) This is a traditional Night Sisters name. It's very (laughs) cultural. (laughs) In um... (laughs) okay, in 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 contributing to uh, 
dumbass Sith names. Uh, <laughs> I was looking up um, synonyms for ice uh, because as, as uh, blue, easy word association, ice. Right. And I, I found the word uh, sorbet and, and I, I was <laughs> called to. So, no, no, no. My Sith name is Darth Sorbus. Yeah. <laughs> that is honestly, so stupid. That's pretty bad. Yeah. That's, it's just that... so perfectly on the nose. It sounds like a medication. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your doctor if sorbus is right for you. Side effects include being stabbed by a lightsaber. Sidefects may include death. Well, if we're doing like elemental uh, affiliations, I think there's all kinds of interesting things we can do. Sorbus, um, so stupid. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, I wor- the problem is I worry uh, that if I come up with anything, I'll learn that it's a real thing in the expanded universe. Oh no! Like, what if you draw on like this, the concept of phlogiston, the element of fire, and it's like I'm sure that there's a Darth Phlogis out there. <laughs> that's why Darth Vitius is safe. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know. This is a universe that has a form of music that I don't think we should say the name That's of. Jeez. <laughs> no, no, you spoiled it. <laughs> and of course, there's the novelizations where they were like, well, we can't have Anakin or Obi-Wan saying fuck, so we need, yeah. a, we need a substitute swear word. How about vape? <laughs> you all think I'm joking, don't you? <laughs> nope. Oh, when I was playing Star Wars, the Lego Star Wars game, I, I was forced to constantly reconcile with the canonical names for so many characters that I had not really thought about that much before. Oh, no. Where are my Yarrell Puth fans at? <laughs> if you're not a Kit Fisto stan, I don't know what you're doing in this Oh, you <laughs> know what's annoying Jedi? about that? Kit Fisto's a really cool character. He's so cool. He's such a great character. That has the yeah. He's especially great in the 2D Clone Wars where they were like, yeah. we're just let everybody use the ass. Force for crazy. Yeah, he kicks yeah. ass. And he there's like this bit where he's using the Force to produce like vacuum bubbles and chucking them at people underwater. And mm-hmm. I have to watch that whole thing be like, this man's name is Kit Fisto. <laughs> he's a worthy match for Darth Sorbus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. Okay, so we're Sith Lords. We each need to have, we need a lightsaber, our name, and like the Jedi who is our arch rival. <laughs> okay, so oh, can, boy. Uh, can, I, can I take Kit Fisto? And of course, it's a very classic like water ice rivalry there so yeah yeah uh red we still need a name from you no i'm going with something dumb like darth flogus if i think this yes. are if, if i think about this like see yours uh, darth sorbus that sounds like like a medication for the condition you take that is called flogus yes <laughs> so do I you guess... have flogus and are a bitch you should take sorbus <laughs> So I guess blue. What does your lightsaber look like? Because we have we have your yeah, name, I'm, we have your your sworn enemy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something there's no that's color like, choices. It's got to be red. I mean, it's got to yeah. be red. I'm trying to think of something yeah. that's like way too on the nose for like uh, a soft ice theme. It's like a liquid um, whip somehow. <laughs> lightsaber. I'm shocked uh, it's taken this long to propose the idea of a lightsaber whip. Honestly, I give them another yeah. trilogy before they yeah. start I, putting that in the movie. I would actually love like as like the Beskar spear in Mandalorian was cool as hell. I would love mm. a. Uh, like a, a lightsaber spear where it's it's mostly mm. like a spear, but then the top is like lightsaber. And they kind of did that with the Magna Guard staff, but those yeah. were like lightning-y and dumb. Yeah. I want one that's like actually like a lightsaber. Um, so, so yeah. yeah. Light yeah. light spear. All right, dark, Darth Flo- Florius? Flogius? Flogus. Flogus. It's based on Flogistan, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the theoretical element of fire that was used to figure out why fire burned some things 
and not others. <laughs> the idea being that phlogiston was a component of those things. Like, you right, burn yeah. something and it would be lighter afterwards, and they'd be like, the phlogiston was confused. <laughs> or c- consumed. I was confused. <laughs> All right, well, Darth. Burned itself who is your sworn Jedi enemy, and what are Maybe you Maybe it's better if we with? just go with Darth phlogiston. I mean, it's not worse than Amidala. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Darth Phlogiston. Yes. No, it's fucking enemy stupid. Everything about this question. <laughs> All right. The thing is, like, I never paid attention to the other Jedi because I watched, you know, the prequels and I was like, mm-hmm. dead, dead, dead. Obi-Wan, dead, dead. Okay, Yoda, <laughs> dead. Um, so I just never paid any attention to him. Um, Anyone's Which is a shame because a lot of them are cool. Yeah. Yoda's um, Sith name, Darth Ketamine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, what? refer back to that one episode we were joking about uh, Yoda doing cocaine in the Jedi Council chamber advocating for more war crimes. <laughs> it's my favorite. Anytime I watch anything with Yoda in it, my, the only running gag I do is him being like, mm, war crimes I will commit. <laughs> I mean, Yoda could be your sworn enemy. There's no rules here. Around the survivors, a perimeter create. <laughs> Yoda should never be saying words like that. <laughs> God. Uh, right. All right. Jedi nemesis. Um, mm, I think, I mean, I don't know. Is it funnier if I don't remember who the Jedi actually is? I just assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like, all I remember is their lightsabers blue. And so like anytime there's a blue lightsaber, it's like, ah, you, my old enemy. But it's just like really what? bad face blindness. So like, yeah. I'm only ever hanging out with like Sith who all have like face concealing masks or, yeah. you know, <laughs> hoods. So I only ever see like 30% of anyone's face at any given time. So I don't pay attention to them for identifying yeah. people. Um, I I think this question goes to show that anyone who maintains that Star Wars is not stupid is lying to themselves and <laughs> yeah. to you, and it's we all so have a better time when we appreciate so that. <laughs> Star Wars is fun because so much of it is so stupid. Yeah. Star Wars only works when it's full of this like gut wrenching sincerity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's got yeah. such a you know, you can't pull off a hero's journey that generic without really committing. Yeah, uh, and you the problem is that Star Wars falls apart. Yeah, and yeah, it, whenever Star it tries Wars to be work. cynical and self aware, it's like you can't do this, man. Star Wars works because it doesn't realize it's a joke, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that <laughs> um, means the rare moments of like sincerity and and emotional impact that actually hit without being dumb hit you so much harder because you're not expecting them anyway uh, uh what would your right, lightsaber, lightsaber look like yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking i feel like unidentified well here's the problem i feel like there's, there's been a bit of an arms race because like you know first movies everyone's lightsaber kind of looks the same it's just mm-hmm. color coordinated but then when they did the prequels like you know they knew what they had with darth maul oh, you know yeah. they synced up oh, the, yeah. the other lightsaber reveal to the the chorus kicking in and duel of the fates because they were like everyone's gonna lose their minds but then after that everyone was like you know what makes lightsabers better more blades and that's how you get kylo ren's dumb little cross guard oh, that would slice hilarious. off his own fingers i love the gifts about the swiss army lightsabers from <laughs> kylo ren and it just like it keeps unfolding into yeah. other shit so yeah funny. <laughs> almost as good as the gif where general grievous pulls out like 50 lightsabers <laughs> spins them all and just falls it into pieces. Oh. <laughs> um so i think i think what i'd want to do is i, I wouldn't want to go too crazy i'd want to do the classic lightsaber but i think maybe i'd want two of them i'd want mm, like a nice. like a long and a short like samurai Ooh, style oh yeah, yeah. or like go. like uh like the dueling dagger uh that you use with a rapier in the renaissance yeah. same yeah. general concept you know you That's lead cool. with the big one but you keep the little one you yeah, know for, for for like later <laughs> yeah for parrying or just like boots bubble. with little lightsabers on the end that you can like <laughs> kick out yeah. you uh, click your heels together two little lightsabers come out of the back of you 
else? Oh, nice I just remembered boots. I was watching the Halo show and now I'm mad again. <laughs> anyway. Oh. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, yeah, I think that's me about sorted. Uh, nice. So yeah, I'm having nice. all these dramatic sword fights with people, but I don't remember any of their names. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm too in tune with the dark side of the force to be paying attention. All these Jedi have the same force signature. <laughs> Oh, look at me. I'm good and happy and stuff. Bah. Bah. <laughs> a new gimmick. Yeah. The only one I can identify is Obi-Wan because he's weighed down with so much existential angst. <laughs> like, oh, it's Obi-Wan. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> Lose another loved one. count is still on the charts. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, man. I... This is good. This is good. Yeah, yeah. Good. We should have more Indigo, Star Wars. Who's your rival? Who's your yeah. Rival? Oh, yeah. I'm, well, I do know a lot of the Jedi Masters, and I'm trying. If, with Kit Fisto taken, my immediate gut <laughs> gut punch reaction to who would be my enemy is off the table. Uh, Ayla Secura has always been a favorite of mine, but I don't know if she would be a fun <laughs> rival. You know, she's just kind of cool. Is she the? She she's the, the Twi'lek one. That she's the has blue the one. Halter yeah, top. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. 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 Not Master Luminara. No. Um, oh yeah. Because yeah. their names always. I mean, all the Star Wars names are so, like, syllabic and weird. They all blend together. I just <laughs> this know that character's on the light side. Let's call her Luminara. Needs to have a, a woman to fight because there is... It's just like, come on, bitch fight. Let's go. We are going <laughs> yeah. to be tropies. Yeah, I just want to live in early 2000s female-led uh, comedy... But in the Star Wars universe. But which of you would be the one that says, chicks like you give women a bad name? Clearly I'm the Regina George in this situation if my name is Dark no, this is, the, this is the Batman and Robin Poison Ivy versus true, Batgirl true, fight. True. Yeah. yeah, the Jedi by default are probably the Batgirl in the situation because it's way more fun to play the villain yeah, in that probably. kind of story. Um, so I guess we'll yeah. go with Ayla. Uh, for lightsaber, though, hmm. <laughs> lightsaber lightsaber shoe is really funny to me. Like, imagine a pair of like high heels, but the heel is the lightsaber, and you're just constantly getting stuck when you oh walk around. It's like the problem of walking over a subway grate, but yeah, everywhere. But everywhere. Oh, no. um, if I so, if you're kind real... of a Regina George type, yeah. I feel like like L- it needs to be blood lightsaber, orange. like it totally spies. <laughs> Like you open the, you take the little lipstick and open the light. Why does oh everyone keep God. bringing up totally spies to me? <laughs> What's happening? Um, I kind of really like the idea of a Regina George style Sith Lord. Right? I feel like she'd really slay. <laughs> right? Like, she would well, slay you know how like the dark the dark side kind of makes you like gross and evil, but I like the idea that like in her case it just gives her like permanent smoky eye. Yeah. And, like like a real powerful red <laughs> lip. <laughs> They're just like, yeah. how did you retain your like human appearance when embracing the dark side? What? Like it's hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I love Darth Bitchius now. Darth She's my new favorite. <laughs> Palpatine wouldn't stand a fucking chance. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna commit lightsaber high heels or the lipstick lightsaber God. situation. So any just to fit the vibe uh and my fated enemy will be ayla because we gotta we gotta have the i'm not like other girls oh no no No! great well that was a we're we're running a little long so i'm gonna (laughs) wrap it up before we get too deep into the star wars headcanon uh, I want someone to like edit lightsabers into scenes from Mean Girls now. <laughs> I don't care what scenes. <laughs> uh, Darth Flory, Florian, Florgis, Florgus, Florius, Florgus. Can you take us no, out? That's my Are own you ready? fault. I like the. You know what? I feel like this is payback for me not knowing anyone who I'm fighting. Is that none of them get my name right either? <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> thank you all so much for listening as always we'll be back in two weeks with another happy fun podcast episode if you missed our movie strike episode on the batman uh go listen to that you know carve out an afternoon possibly two <laughs> <laughs> uh 
watch the movie first, really make a whole day of it, you know, <laughs> just commit eight hours to random internet nonsense. Uh, be on the lookout for the pins that are coming out with our super fun video on Friday, which I won't spoil, but you can probably guess what it's about, judging by the pins. Um, and I guess that's a- us about covered, so until next time I've been read. I've been Darth Sorbus. <laughs> of course, and this has been an overly sarcastic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Woo! Very nice. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on June 15th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform, and if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.